Welcome to the Hot and Streaming Podcast. And today we're going to be taking a look at Don't Look Up. Very controversial movie, I believe, that's streaming on Netflix. Cindy, we're going to try something different. We're going to get okay. three seconds on the clock. And then we're, you're going to have 30 seconds to give us a full recap of the whole two hour and 18 minutes movie. Are you ready? Uh, lots of pressure. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Well, let me put 30 seconds on the clock. And here we go. Don't Look Up is about a couple of scientists who discover a comet is on track to smash into Earth and decimate the entire planet in six months. This satirical film follows two astronomers played by Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence as they attempt to convince the White House something must be done in order to save mankind. But despite presenting a ton of data to the leaders of the White House, no one believes them until they go on a media tour to grab the public's attention. And when the president finally launches a mission to destroy the comet, she instead decides to save it because an oblivious tech CEO ah, convinced her to do so in the name of profits. Here is Don't Look Up. This is not real. This is not real. This is not real. This isn't happening. Kate, uh, tell me this isn't really happening. I hear there's uh, something you don't like the looks of. We discovered a very large comet. Oh, good for you. It's headed directly towards Earth. All right, Steve. What do you think of the movie? You know what, Cindy? I like the movie. Actually, I like the premise of the movie. I liked everything about the movie. I had thought I thought it had some really funny lines, and I gotta give the MVP to Jonah Hill. I loved his character the most, and I'll get into my favorite moment of the movie. But but I just thought it was too long. Like, come on, like why is it two hours? And I don't know if this is going towards the end, but the fact that it ends, there's a like a, I guess they call it a mid like credit. And then, you know, there's some scenes afterwards. I just felt like it was a little bit too long with same, the same premise going over and over again. I felt like you could have cut out like at least 40 minutes and make it, made it an hour and a half movie. And <laughs> I would have really loved the movie. You would know, you? I, I actually really liked it. Um, I, in the length, you didn't have any problem with the length of the movie. Oh, no, I think that is, I think that is a good point. I think there's actually a lot of stuff that could be uh, cut out. I mean, part of my notes in, in terms of like what I didn't like was the fact that I did feel like they kept um, repeating the same message over and over to us in the audience that, you know, no one believes them, that there are these, uh, there, there are these other, uh, the, the <clears throat> excuse me, the, the talking heads of that show, the Jack and Bree show in yeah. which Kate Blanchett and Tyler Perry were playing like these super um, uh, over energetic talk show hosts. Like there just things that they kept pounding over and over into our heads that I think could have been fine after like the first couple of incidents and then they could have like cut it out. So yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely improvement into the length, but nothing that it didn't feel as long as I had felt on other movies, you know? And I felt like the, the post credits that you were mentioning, I actually thought that was kind of fun, maybe similar in vain to like Marvel movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I did. I did enjoy that, but I was just more of like, all right, there where there's a comet that's coming into the earth. Like, you know, these astronomers, I love the fact that they're from Michigan state. Like, are you, you're not even from Ivy league. Like they didn't, they really didn't trust them because they're mm -hmm. from Michigan state. And mm -hmm. then, but there are like three different attempts within the movie 
for them to destroy this comet. So obviously the president finally buys in because she is going through midterms and she's like failing in the polls. And so she's like, hey, let's really go after this. And she wasn't first convinced. Now she's convinced because she'll think it'll help in the polls. So she tries, failed attempt. And then another failed attempt between the astronomer. So between Randall and Kate, so Leo and Jennifer Lawrence, another failed attempt and another, and then, you know, the, the billionaire takes over and then they have another failed attempt. It's like, really, we needed three failed attempts to really get through this whole movie. I mean, mm-hmm. I think, you know, I just felt like, all right, it's, it's the same premise over and over and again. So that's, that's my only complaint, but I love the, the jokes in there. Kate, yeah. It was super funny in there too. <laughs> As always, I mean, let's talk about that star-studded ensemble. I mean, like who, how many A-lists can they fit into this movie? And I actually had no idea who was in it. I mean, I knew Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, um, Jonah Hill, and Meryl Streep were in it. But I had no idea Kate Blanchett, Tyler Perry, Timothy uh, Chalamet, um, Ariana Grande, Kate oh, Cuddy yeah. were in it. I had no idea. So, in a, in a way, like as a, a fan of films and tv and stuff like that it was fun to see um what i what i it it was interesting i actually didn't like it until maybe after like the first 45 minutes because like i said since i had no idea what the movie was about i didn't realize it was a satire to begin with so i was kind of annoyed in the beginning like come on (laughs) they're being serious they found this comet why are they introducing ariana grande but once (laughs) it finally hit and it finally set and i could tell that it was um, all tongue in cheek, I I completely embraced the movie. Oh, see, I went in it knowing a lot about the movie. The fact that it was so, you know, when you and I decided to do this, I was like, really, Cindy? Yeah. Like, you know? And then, which explains your reaction. Yeah, because <laughs> it's been so controversial, like on the internet, like it's, a, it's still popular on Netflix. But I was like, really, and so I knew it was gonna come in with this satirical type of plot, but. On the like the first couple of minutes, I was like laughing. I I loved the the chemistry between Kate and Randall, and I just mm-hmm. loved all of that. And I loved how they had to play pretty much straight, you know, like where all the surrounding characters, Jonah Hill, Meryl Street, like Tyler Perry, Kate Blanchett, they had to be sort of the they're the funny people. And then mm-hmm. you know, I felt like Randall and Kate had to play it really straight. Like, come on, guys, they're the, you know, they're, they're the common sense people. And then everybody else was just like, let's make it pleasant. This is not fun to talk about. And it kind of reminds me of like what we're currently going through with the pandemic too. So I think, you know, when they first made this film, I think, you know, when uh, I think it was Adam McKay, he was talking all about more climate change. And so mm-hmm. I think having something that we can all see a comet coming to earth, even with mm-hmm. a pandemic now, I don't know how you feel about this, but I was like, you know, we, we really can't see it. Yes, we see the the impact it has, but we can't see the actual virus being in the present, you know, in the air. So mm-hmm. you know, like some people, that's why some people don't believe it. And towards the end, you know, that's why people didn't believe it because they're like, mm-hmm. we can't see it until they finally can eventually see it. And then they start believing that it's a real thing. Right. No, there are so many um, undertones of like uh, the current political or the, the previous administration, the Trump administration, and how they handled the initial onset of the pandemic, for sure. I, I, that was clear, um, you know, just even just even using some of the terminology, like how uh, Leonardo DiCaprio kept saying, like, we've got the science, we've got the science, we've got the data. I was like, okay, guys, that's obviously something taken from today. Or maybe it was a coincidence. I'm not sure, I guess, depending on whenever they wrote the script, but it was very appropriate. 
for what we were going through with the COVID-19 and just even now with a lot of folks that are still in disbelief about the uh, impacts of the coronavirus and and even the current surge with Omicron. Um, but I, 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 in a way, I thought Leonardo DiCaprio was kind of like Dr. Fauci <laughs> trying mm-hmm. to persuade everyone, including the public. And then um, Meryl Streep was kind of like President Trump. And then uh, Jonah Hill seemed very much like um, Donald Trump Jr., you know, and he you're right. I totally agree with you. He was the best character. Jonah Hill had some of the best lines um, in the movie. Did you like that Meryl Streep was like this Trump like figure or did you want sort of like a even more like a Trump male person playing this type of role? Oh, now, you know what? I, I actually really like Meryl Streep. So that never came across my mind. Like it was kind of fun seeing her in this role. That's like, um, um, uh, kind of someone that you dislike and has, um, um, like there was this line, I think that Jonah Hill had. So Jonah Hill's character is her chief of staff, but who also happens to be her son. And she had some really, he had some really funny things to say about her, which I never would have guessed about Meryl Streep and putting her into this spotlight of like a um, sexy vixen or like a sexy president. Um, So Jonah Hill, I think you had pulled this clip, right, where he says something uh, really funny about her. Um, And I think the setup is that he was trying to, um, he was just so proud of her having taken the podium and spoken to the America or to the world about this, um, in this impending doom that, that is the comet. He was giving her like some high accolades, but instead of giving her accolades that are like appropriate for, um, uh, a son to say to his mom, he, he gives her a high compliment in regards to how she looks. So Jonah, uh, so Jonah's character says, I can't think of another, think president. Of another president that I'd ever want to see in play. Oh, I, I wanted to ask what you thought about um, Leonardo DiCaprio in his character. So his he plays this like the main scientist, right, Professor or Dr. Mindy. And he actually takes on a much different like um, speech pattern and a tone of voice. How, did that throw you off at all? Or did you did you feel like he actually played the character really well? You know what? Reading the research, I do remember reading something about that. Like he was trying to emulate or talk like a certain someone. I really liked his character, and I liked the, his character arc. How he went from like really serious to maybe falling off the wagon. I mean, he was still serious about the comment and falling off the wagon and having an affair with Kate Blanchett's character Bree, and then you know towards the end coming back to like, "Hey, I'm so sorry. This is who I." was meant to be and so I love the way he played it and I love the the way he's dressed and you know I heard Mm -hmm. I'll take give credit I heard on another podcast they're like Leonardo is finally playing his age in a way right he has two (laughs) and rather than this young stud he's finally playing his age and so I really liked that you have this like oh really a-lister who's playing more older I guess in a way than younger. I don't know what his real age is. Though. I think he's 47. He's not that old. Oh, wow. I mean, at least not to me, but, but so I couldn't, um, 
totally uh, buy into it too much just because so his character, he has like two adult sons in the movie. And I just didn't really, I mean, it's completely possible. So like, like let's even pretend that his character is 47, just like his real age. I guess these sons, like to me, they seem like they were in their early 20s. I, it's sure it's possible. I mean, then, you know, Leonardo would have just been a younger-ish dad or his character would have been a younger-ish dad. But I was just like, really? Is that, is that true? <laughs> and I, it, so it took me a while to actually kind of um, do away with what I'm used to seeing Leonardo play and, and to be more comfortable with like, okay, yes, and, and believable that he is the scientist, a loving father, um, but I did like the pre- appreciate the fact that yeah he wasn't like some polished um, uh, gangster in like a super high position like in some of his other roles. And did you have a problem with Jennifer Lawrence's character? I mean, she you know in the when they were in that talk show with Tyler Perry and Kate Blanchett. So uh, if it's Brie and what's uh Jack Brie the and Jack, Jack and Brie show Jack mm-hmm. and Brie show where they're like, oh, she's hysterical. You know, like how women are perceived to be more hysterical. Did you like that she was playing this more hysterical character where then Leo got more of the, you know, the straight guy, the the ilf, <laughs> right? The astronomer. Yes. <laughs> so did you like that or did you have a problem with? Mm, so I completely caught on to the fact that they were uh, minimalizing, um, uh, minimizing uh, J-Law's character into like this yeah and kind of being very like kind of sexist towards her versus how they treated Leonardo but I kind of felt like it was equal or on par because of the fact that when they talked about um how the the media or the public was receiving Dr. Mindy's um and how he was performing over like social media and everything they basically marginalized him as well and made him into a sex object so in a way I felt like that was um, on par. So on one hand, they treated Jennifer Lawrence as like this hysterical, uh, non-believable scientist, but then they also then treated Leonardo as like this sex object. So I don't know, to me, it seemed okay. But what I didn't like about her character was the fact that they decided to put her in like this really distracting and harsh red wig. I I think I knew what they were trying to go for, right? They're trying to go for her as just like, like maybe even to so that you don't think that she's as pretty maybe as she is in real life. I, I think that's what they were trying to do. But in, in trying to do that, I actually got more distracted. Like I felt like they could have just, you know, chosen a different hair color or um, it presented her in a different way to achieve the same effect without me always thinking like, Oh my gosh, that wig's going to fall off. You could have gone the teen, 90 teens movie route where just put her in glasses, right? And then suddenly after high school, she takes off her glasses and she's a hot lady. That's true. That's true. And if, and if like they didn't want her to be hot, right. you know, then they, then they could have uh, opted for that too. And, and, you know, I think they could have worked on the styling a little bit if I had to like pick and choose. Yeah. And I'm not a stylist, but those bangs were a little distracting. They were. I thought that they were, yeah, just a little too much. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I wish they kind of, I, I wish they picked something else for her, but I, I uh, also like notice how they played with a lot of like prosthetics. So like for Kate Planchette's character, you could tell that they really wanted uh, to have her, um, um, they, they didn't want the audience to, to realize it was Kate Blanchett too much, 
by giving her a different set of teeth. So I don't know if you noticed that. You know, I didn't notice. I was like, that doesn't look like Kate Blanchett, but I didn't, I couldn't put my finger on why I thought maybe it was yeah. like, oh, the teeth. I had no idea they changed her teeth. Yeah. I think it, it was her, it was her teeth. And, and which is weird because you know, it's Kate Blanchett, but then there's also something a little odd about her. Um, and I feel like that's what a lot of um, in movies they do a lot of times too, just because they don't want you to be too, they don't want you to focus too, so much on the act, actor, but they want you to try to think of them in this new character. Um, but, and then the actor that plays um, the big tech CEO guy, um, which I think the company, they call it bash, right? He was hilarious in some ways, but what were your thoughts on him? Any, any initial um, any initial thoughts about that bash CEO guy? Yeah. I thought he was too close to Steve jobs and you know, like I really admire what jobs has done throughout his career. So I was just a mm-hmm. little annoyed where they could have probably pulled on, maybe made him look a little bit more like Elon, who's a little bit out there and kind of crazy anyways, or Bezos. Like they could have picked another, a bunch of billionaires, but I felt my nitpicky th- thing about him was like this is too close to jobs and he's no longer here and so like pick on some other crazy billionaire but it felt like especially when he when we first meet him i think he's in all black and i believe he's in a turtleneck i could be wrong about that but that's like jobs signature outfit it's like a, mm-hmm. a black turtleneck so i was like oh it's too close and plus his stature is sort of jobs like too and so i was like ah feels a little bit too close to jobs but <laughs> I feel like his personality was trying to resemble that of a lot of billionaires tech billionaires yeah mm-hmm. but i felt like the resemblance was just too close to jobs for my comfort level yeah no i i i could tell he was kind of like a mix of a whole bunch of people i actually didn't even think of, of jobs initially in terms of like him being like a silicon valley like billionaire then yes i understood that part i almost thought that he was like a a mix of like Elon Musk just simply because of Elon's uh, SpaceX ventures too. And of course, in this movie, this, um, this character is also like, uh, also then dabbles into this comet and trying to save the comet instead of destroy it. Um, but yeah, I, I, what I liked was that he was like playing this um, really offbeat kind of awkward kind of dude. Right. But I also felt like his character was a little uh, much like we get it. We know he's this way. Um, for some reason, I was like, ah, I didn't really have to see him as often as we did. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Cool. I yeah. love the way he yeah. delivered the lines. I love the way he talked and his speech patterns. I thought that's really resembling a lot of these guys because they're a little bit awkward. These tech billionaires. They're that's true. Bit, socially, a little bit awkward. They were the nerdy types. And so they do mm-hmm. have this cadence when they talk that that's true and i i recognize that actor and i looked him up but i didn't um nothing stood out to me in in his um portfolio of movies but i know i've recognized him from somewhere so i'm like it's like bothering me that i can't identify what it is that i've seen him in before <laughs> like i i saw his whole resume on imdb yeah. but I, I none of those yeah. are like yeah jumping out at me I'm seeing a lot of the movies that he's been in, Drew. <laughs> Chicago <laughs> 7. Okay, yes, I've seen that. Ready Player One, I've seen that. <laughs> that did, but did you know it was him? I have no idea where he, who he is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there we go. That's good, I guess, maybe for him. He's like a chameleon actor. Right, right. Blends be... right in. King Ri- oh, Richard II, King Richard II. Okay. Yeah, what do they call them? The character actors? 
That's why they get yeah. characters. Um, what did you notice? There was this Easter egg. I guess it's what an Easter egg is. I'm not even sure. But like, okay, so in part of the movie, um, you know, as 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 the world finally accepts the fact that this there's there's this comet hurling towards them, um, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character goes on like public campaigns to say, "Don't worry, we're get, we're here for you. We're going to take care of you." And then he has this commercial that says, if you ever feel like you're really stressed and you have any open questions, just give us a call at this number. And it's like, um, uh, so I pulled the number. It's 1-800-532-4500. So I was like, I wonder what that is. Because, you know, usually in movies, they'll say like um, 1555 and, you know, it's a totally fake number. But I, so I Googled that and apparently a lot of people um, did the same thing. And it turns out that that phone number actually um, leads you to a sex hotline today. Yeah. <laughs> I read that in the research too. That's pretty funny. He had no idea. Adam McKay, who came up with that number, had no idea of that. It led to that. He just, really? a random number that he made up. So he says, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I find that so hard to believe. Like you're like, <laughs> yeah, somebody I, I feel like do some research. A kind of, or maybe if he did, uh, make this up that once he found out that he would have done something about it if i mean you know he doesn't have to but or at least you know like admit like oh yeah yeah i made it up but I, and i found out that it did lead to the sex online but i thought it'd be funny you know and, and i don't know and just leave it in there yeah. <laughs> well i love also loved how jennifer lawrence's character kate she kept mentioning that the the general the head general they chart like in the beginning of the scenes when they're finally about to yeah. meet the president. She, he's like, Hey, you guys want some snacks? And then he brings them snacks and he's like, Hey, it's $5. And so they end up giving right. money for some snacks, like water and chips. And then she later finds out like a couple of minutes later, she goes into the lunchroom and she's like, Hey, where do I put the cash? And she's like, the other lady that was sitting there, she's like, it's free. It's the white house. It's like, what? <laughs> and then she just keeps talking about <laughs> charge. Her. Why would he charge her? Like, so there's multiple scenes where she's still thinking about it after her. I know. <laughs> Why would he charge us? He's the top general. That is funny. And I was wondering what would be the, um, like, what else are they trying to say with that scene? Like, are they trying to depict that she's like obsessed with this little, this little um, incident that happens? Or is there something else? Like, I feel like I'm not getting something with why they decide to have her character so obsessed with that, that event. Because everything else I can kind of. Hmm? <laughs> I'm very shallow. I, don't, I think it's just, uh, I thought it was a nice little, like a story that, you know, yeah. you call back. It's yeah, just, that's something true. Something happened and we're just calling it back. Keep calling it back. That's what I thought. I don't know. But I think it's also like human psychology. There are things that I still think about today that probably mean nothing to the other person that was involved. And as time has gone on, it's gone away. But it's like, there are things I still think about. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe that person said this to me, blah, 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 blah. And oh, sure. <laughs> so that's yeah. sort of related it to. That, that is, that's probably true. You're right. Maybe it's just as simple as that. Because, I mean, in the, the theme throughout the whole movie too was just... Um, it reflects kind of like a lot of what is happening today in the sense of, hey, here's this really big, crazy, scary event that's happening, be it climate change or COVID, uh, the COVID pandemic. But yet everyone is kind of still kind of going about their day. They still have the same uh, concerns or obsessions or um, questions in their mind. Um, and then they're also still inundated with like all this social media stuff. Um, 
um, or um, having affairs. Hello. We didn't even talk about that part. Like that was kind of funny where Leonardo DiCaprio is actually a married man with uh, and a dad of two kids, but he has an affair with Kate Blanchett's character. So he even got caught up in his own fame, if you will. Yeah. Right. Like, so anyway, I, uh, I think there were a lot of like um, fun, like a, a nod to a lot of similar things that are happening today, like people's obsession over like celebrities and culture. And that's why they even had like Ariana Grande and Kid Cudi in there just because they want to show how um, instead of talking about this comment that's coming down to earth, everyone was really excited for them to get engaged and, and get back together. Yeah, so another good part of the sapphire mm-hmm. i love that too and it's like afterwards they're like breaking down hey here's a social media reaction between your comment and then ariana grande her proposal like live proposal yeah it shot up but your live comment eh, it didn't do that well from a social media perspective it's like oh really yeah, <laughs> a reflection of what we kind of li- the culture we live on to but you know like with these type of movies cindy i don't know if they're trying to like teach us anything or try to make us feel better or what mm-hmm. and are we are we trying to change sides here too so i don't know part of me always feels like it's fun it's funny i like it but what are we if you believe it you believe it but i guess i don't know maybe there are a handful of people that move over after watching some a movie like this no i had the same question too like so what do you want us to do with this right exactly and, and when I um, first started watching it, like I said, I thought it was actually supposed to be a serious movie, almost like Armageddon from way back when, even though that was a super corny movie. But I really thought it was going to be about this um, uh, plight of the scientists to make sure that this comet doesn't impact Earth. And then when it started having this um, additional layer of commentary around different political ideologies and um, the the, uh, impact of social media and how we're so distracted as a society to like really pay attention to what's um, happening. I actually embraced it a lot more um, after that, but what am I going to do with it? Probably not much. Um, But, you know, in, in researching um, for our podcast, I, I, it's, (laughs) I didn't realize um, that, the intent of Adam McKay was really to send a message about climate change. Did you like, Oh, well, so you actually did know about this right before we even watched it. Right. Yes. Yeah. Got it. Climate change. And I, so I didn't know that I actually thought it was a quick take. Like I I really thought it was actually about uh, the COVID pandemic. Actually, I didn't know it had anything to do with climate change. Well, they started shooting doing the research. They started shooting pre pandemic and then they had to, figure out ways to still film during the pandemic and then finally get it released. And so gotcha. they did have an, an interruption, but yeah, I think, he wow. was, but it, I think it could mean anything really, you know, like talk about any disaster or yeah. in the world and it's totally relatable. It's it totally is- relatable. Yeah. yeah. That's why I was like, kind of like impressed, like, Oh wow, they're able to ship out a movie that quickly and talk about COVID. That's perfect timing. Right. And then, come to find out the intent was actually to talk about climate change. I was like, Oh, hmm, okay. I don't know if I got that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, there, mm-hmm. Sorry. 
I was just going to go into like, there's a couple of funny lines that I really love from the movie and some trivia facts for you too. So the line where Leo meets Ariana Grande, their characters meet in the green room and she's like, Hey, you're that astronomer dude. Who's talking about the comment. He's like, yeah. And then she's, and then he's like, Oh, you know, my, I think my kids love her. She's really big. And so he's like, Hey, I'm sorry to hear about your breakup with Kid Cutting. And then she goes, uh, mind your own business, you old fuck. And that's actually a line that from trivia wise, Adam McKay's daughter, the original line was something boomer related, but Adam oh. McKay's daughters, they're like, nobody says boomer anymore. I, we would just call him an old fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so he wrote that <laughs> in for Ariana Grande, you old fuck. I had no idea um, that that was the case. So that's a good learning because actually Jack, my son has been saying boomer for fun because he knows that we're younger than the boomer generation, but that it still hits people's cords in some ways. But I had no idea that it was in nor that it was out. So good to know. <laughs> good on Anna McKay's uh, daughters to give them real world uh, advice on what's actually still a good language to use. <laughs> Do you want to go through any of the, the, um, the clips? Yes. <clears throat> okay. Let me set it up. Um, yeah. So I think you and I both agree that Jonah's Jonah Hill's character was the best and he served the best lines throughout the movie. So I'm so glad to see him in this new form. Right. But okay. One of the um, funniest clips that I thought was when he uh, was when the, um, the mission to destroy the comet was had just started and so everyone in the white house was in the situation room i believe it was and so what he says at the start was molly kicking in right molly now kicking in right now time that shit perfect <laughs> and basically what I, there were so many other lines that he had actually that i didn't even get to to capture all of them but he was a great uh comedic uh, relief throughout the whole film. I mean, I How love, about well, mm -hmm. if I, we can fast forward towards the end, I love the, the ending when he's like, she's coming back. She, she's coming back. She's going to come back because everybody leaves the comments coming. And I love that line. I thought that was hilarious. Because he was talking about his mom who had yeah. just completely aborted the mission without telling anyone else. She and left. she just left, leaves the room. Yeah. She totally forgets about him and on she the plane. Totally. Like, hey, where's your son? And she's like, oh, shoot. Ends up leaving. Right. Him. Oh, because because like you're saying, we didn't even mention that not only did she abort the mission, she also escaped in a private rocket ship, I guess, um, or spaceship, I should say, where a whole bunch of rich people um, just paid for this uh, chance to save themselves and she completely forgot about him. I totally feel like Trump would do that with his family. <laughs> I love that he put that in the movie because you start to think like, why are these guys going into space, Elon and Bezos? It's like, huh, yeah. are they thinking about this too? You know, and then if we want to go there, Cindy, like towards the end of the movie, the comet ends up hitting, destroying Earth and these billionaires these survive along with Meryl Streep and they are in some cryo chamber. And so they're able to survive. Like I think it was 2000 plus years later. I'd forget what the, how many years. Yeah, later. Really but, long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really long time. And then they, you know, they come back and they see this is like after the, the mid credits, but that's what we see towards the end. But yeah, it's, it's crazy. 
I was like, wow, is this, I like, I like, I like, I really like that ending. I really like that ending too. And, but the best part to me about that ending was the fact that um, as soon as these really rich people come out of those cryo chambers and end up on this plant, which looks very um, Jurassic period-ish, Jurassic Park period-ish with uh, a bunch of greenery and there's nothing else on the planet, right? What happens? Meryl Streep's character is like, oh, I'm so excited. And then she runs around and gets eaten by an, a creature. And we find out that that creature is the Brontorok, which is a dinosaur-like creature. And it's exactly what, um, who, which character was it that had uh, predicted that this is how she would die? The billionaire guy. She's like, he's like, I know everything about everybody. I know I have so many data points on you. I know exactly how you're going to die. And then she's like, at one scene, she said, okay, how am I going to die? I don't, I want to know, but I don't want to know. So how am I going to die? And then she, he said, you're going to be eaten by a Bronta, whatever tech. Bronta rock. Yes. And then oh that's when he's like, oh, I guess that's what a Bronta rock is. But on that scene, Cindy, they're all naked. Yeah. I loved it. They're all naked. Yeah. You get a shot of Meryl Streep and she has a tramp stamp. And I was like cracking up at that too. I totally laughed at that. Obviously it was a body double, yes. but, uh, I, I thought that was so hilarious and spot on. And um, yeah, I, <laughs> just another sign of the times. Yeah. <laughs> I think that I, was a, what was I, that? But my, I guess my half-ass in internet researchers, according to Adam McKay, Leonardo DiCaprio had a problem with Meryl Streep's nude scene. Even though as a body double, Leo views Meryl Streep as film loyalty and didn't like seeing her with a lower back tattoo, walking for a second naked. Oh, how funny. I wonder how uh, much thought he put into that or if it was just kind of like a passing comment because in, in a way, like it's such a satire in and of itself that of course, like to me, it seems like it, it's not that big of a deal. But yeah, I wonder, I wonder what else he thinks about that. How much pull does he have? I would say he, Leonardo probably has the most pull out of everyone. Well, I also read that Adam McKay and he... Leo were writing. I mean, they weren't like full time, but they would meet like for about five months here and so about the script. And which leads me to one of my favorite lines of the movie towards the end when Leo delivers the line. And this is actually Leo's idea. He's like, hey, we should end it this particular way. So they filmed it a couple of different ways. But then in the edit room, Leo's like, we should leave it like this. We should end it this way. And then his line is, the thing of it is we really... We really did have everything, didn't we? I mean, if you think about it. And I like that, Cindy, because I think mm. the has taught me, the pandemic has taught me, is like, you know, we really do have everything. Like, we spent a lot more time with the, our close loved ones and the people that really matter in mm -hmm. our lives. And we ended up, like, the people we didn't see anymore, I was kind of like, I'm okay with not seeing you, in a way, as well. And so, mm -hmm. the people that I didn't really want to see and keep in touch with, I ended up doing that. But the two people we didn't and we started fading out was okay, too. So, I really liked that line. And they were going to end it a different way, but Leo insisted that it was his own line. And he said, we should end it this way, too. So, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great scene, actually, because he comes, he finally realizes and he goes back to his family. He goes back to his wife. Luckily, she takes him back in and, and accepts his mistake, right? With, with having the affair, right? But um, then uh, Jennifer Lawrence's character joins them at his house for dinner. 
She also brings her boyfriend, who we forgot, we didn't mention too much about, but played by Timothy Ch- Chalamet, and who actually proposed to her in the car on the way to Leonardo DiCaprio's character's house. And then um, they're joined by Dr. Oglethorpe, who was, um, who we totally should talk about. So Dr. Oglethorpe is the NASA scientist that they first um, reveal the discovery of the comet and who completely believed them and was their supporter the entire time. So it was fitting that he also then joined, reunites with them back at uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's family's house because that was uh, going to be kind of like the last supper because the comet was basically on its way to hit the earth any moment. So they were all seated around the table. They had said a quick prayer and then they're just, their entire house is shaking because the comet is approaching. Um, but they, instead of focusing on that or being too scared, they had anticipated that it was coming and they just kind of focus on each other and, and continuing to eat their meal as best as they could. Yeah. That oh, was a good one. Yeah, I love how they came all came back. The original O three, the three came back together. And right, right, right. And if you think about it, it was just like a span of six months, right? Because of course, when they first discovered it, then and when it finally impacted, it's that was the six month time period of all this craziness and turmoil and back and forth. No one believed them, um, and uh, you know they were trying their best to to prove to everyone that this is real. This is this is coming. Um, and yeah, so many kind of analogies to that of, of our real life today. I want to give a couple of shout outs to a few people that was in the cast. Melanie, Melanie Linsky, who's in one of my favorite shows right now, Yellow Jackets. So I'm so glad to see her as Leo's wife in the movie. And then I don't know if you knew this, Cindy, but Matthew Perry had actually a little cameo in the movie too, that ended up getting cut his scene, but he had a little cameo too. And we've been what? friends so much in our house oh yeah love friends what what was his character do we know no i think it was just a a, a line that he had it was just a little quick little scene that he had toward the end of the movie that ended up not making the final cut darn that would be cool that would that would have been super cool i mean come on you you could have just put in another minute i mean it's already two hours and (laughs) it's so true oh yeah or replace it with something else man because it was kind of long there's something they could have trimmed for sure and do you want to let's you want to guess the Rotten Tomatoes score? You want to start with the audience and then go into the critics? Oh, let's do it. One of my favorite parts. Okay, Rotten Tomatoes audience score. I'm going to say ooh, this is a toughie. Could go so many ways. Um, um, seventy nine. Mm, that's really close. Uh, I wish I had a little thing shot here, <laughs> but that's that's great. It's seventy eight. So, oh my gosh. Yep. Wow. Okay, cool. Okay. And then critics, just because again, because of the research and I, some of the things that folks have said, I feel like it, I know it's going to be lower. I just don't know how much lower. I'm going to say 70. It's 55. How much? 55. Oh my gosh. For real. Yeah. As I was pulling up the reviews, oh of the critics, my it's pretty split. Like the, t- I usually look at Rotten Tomatoes and I look at the top critics and then see, I look for funny quotes, but 
it's pretty split in terms of what I found from the top critics. It's like 50-50 in terms of that. But the audience score, because when we first decided to do this and I've been keeping an eye on the audience score, yeah, it's actually gone up. So it was in the like high 60s and then and now it's in the close to 80s. But yeah, it was in the high 60s, low 70s for a while. And wow. So, and sorry, you said the audience score now is actually in the low 80s? No, it's in 78. Oh, 78. it is 78. Okay, okay. Okay. Because okay. I was going to say, like, if if the audience score is increasing in a way, I kind of am not too surprised. Like, I feel like it is one of those things that kind of gets you one way at first. And then once you kind of embrace what it's trying to tell you, not necessarily the fact that there's like this um, overarching, like, let's do something about climate change thing. I'm even thinking more of it, like superficially of like, um, that it was just kind of a fun film. Um, I can see how people might be enjoying that a little bit more. Um, so that that would be interesting to see if if it does continue to increase or not and surpass and that head into the eighties. Well, I but agree the critics, that. oh my gosh! Just like the rescue, where we get we both gave it a ninety nine. I agree with the audience. I probably give it about a seventy eight, seventy nine. What you said too, because I felt like it was a C type of plus movie. Felt like it was too long. I really liked everything of the movie. Just felt like it was just too long for me to get. Gotcha, there. gotcha. Mm -hmm. I actually give it like eighty. Yeah, not too much more, but I think eighty makes it feel more like uh, like I enjoyed it and it was fun. Um, uh, but certainly there are parts where just like, huh? <laughs> or like that was distracting. Or this is, I was taken back by your score because I think this is the first time you actually rated something higher and I'm looking back on it right now. And I'm like, yeah, this is true. Like we both rated the rescue 99, but everything else I've always given a higher score. <laughs> I Although I guess it's only one point higher, but I don't know. I actually like, um, was pleasantly surprised by it. Cause again, you know, the first, like few minutes, I was like, what the heck is going on? What are they doing? And I was really distracted by Leonardo's character or the way he was acting as a character. I was really distracted by Jennifer Lawrence's wig. But the, and then like, it seemed so serious. And like I said, I had no idea what to expect. So maybe, so maybe that was a good thing in a way, because then after that, I just was like, oh my gosh, this is so funny. I get what they're saying. I really liked how they wove in all the politics too. So yeah, it kind of got better for me, but then it kind of plateaued. Like the whole bash CEO guy, I, I didn't need involved in, in the movie, I don't think. Well, I want to end him with low expectations and coming out pleasantly surprised. So. That is really good, especially given your uh, previous knowledge of it. That's actually pretty good. <laughs> I've heard a bunch of people talk about it and I'm like, oh. so when we first decided, I was like, oh, are we going to really do this? <laughs> yeah. right. I'm glad. Because originally, like I said, like I was like, oh man, it's gonna take me a while to get through this. Yeah, you know. And I wasn't and, uh, looking forward to that two hour and eighteen minute runtime. I was like, oh my goodness, it took me a couple <laughs> of sittings to get through it. But after having watched it and then so doing some research, yes, you're right. It's very, it seems very polarizing. Like there's some people that are like, oh gosh, Adam McKay, this is so like self absorbed in a way, and and they, uh, you know, we understand there's like some there's there's pending doom, but you don't have to write it like this or. I, I don't know. Of course, I'm completely um, uh, generalizing the all of the feedback. Um, so it it but it does continue to perform, like you said, top ten in Netflix. So I, maybe the critics are just expecting a little bit more than the audience is. And I mean, you know, 
that's not too big of a surprise. I think there's always going to be like a difference between critics and audience. Um, but yeah, this one just seems to like talk about the controversies more than others. You know, the controversy of what is he trying to say and did he have to say it like this? Uh, so I think more on the direct the director and the and the script more than anything. All right, I think we're ready to do our normal outro. You want to try it? So this is a play on the the new HBO Sex and the City sequel, just like that, and she ends it the same way. So this is the last time I'll probably say it, but we'll end it that way. All right, Cindy, ready? And Cindy, ready. And just like that, we have an astronomer. I'd like to. Dr. Mindy, on the other hand, had some very high favorables. Uh, vegan Babe wrote, Meow, me likey, hunky star man. Uh, some accounts called him the bedroomized doomsday prophet, or A-I-L-F, which means astronomer I like to fuck. I did have the FBI put that bag over your head. They don't do that. The CIA does, but I made them do it. You know, I had a feeling. It's a good feeling, because that is what I did, and it was very funny and cool.